Thank you for listening to this podcast by the River Family Christian Center. We pray that this message strengthens and encourages you in your walk with God. Let's turn to John chapter 15. We're going to get into this today. We've been talking about the Church of Acts. We've been talking about some aspects of the Church of Acts. We've been talking about pressing in to sort of the, kind of the characteristic or the heart or sort of the position of the early church. And I heard a pastor one time say is that, well, we don't want to keep talking about the early church because we're above that. We're, the, we're ahead of the early church, right? We've learned a lot, and that's very true. But there are some things and some simplicities and some truths that we do want to gravitate and we do want to take into our lives and apply to to our lives because it's very crucial that we do. Now, today what I'm going to talk about specifically, though, in reflection of the book of Acts, we're actually not going to go to the book of Acts today, but we're going to talk about something that was released in chapter 2, and that was the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And what we're going to do is we're going to continue to talk about the Holy Spirit today. And this isn't going to be very fundamental. It's going to sound somewhat fundamental. At the same time, it may also sound very redundant in certain parts. But what we're going to try to do is I'm going to try to hopefully enlighten you to some of the things I think that we miss a lot when it comes to Holy Spirit. And more specifically, what we talk about gifts. Now, I'm not talking about gifts in the sense as part of it is is giving a prophetic word or praying for somebody for healing or whether it's praying in the Spirit or singing in the Spirit or whatever the case may be. There are many gifts, and I'm going to show you that in a second. God's calling. He wants me to interrupt this thing, I think. Right? Change it up. Sorry. Sorry. Okay, I'm on it. Um, so one of the things you have to understand is that the gifts, when we find in Scripture, are not just limited to what is expressed in Scripture. You hear me? Let that sink in for a second. These are gifts that are applications primarily for the body as a whole we see, for the individual to partake of. But to a large extent, gifts are given by the Holy Spirit for us to do what? To live life and live life more abundantly. Okay, let me say it again. To live life and to live life abundantly. The Holy Spirit wants to have a relationship with us that brings us in relation with Christ, that brings us in relationship with the Father, that brings us in relationship with the Word of God so that we may thrive in what He has called us to do. Not for our own glory, but to bring Him glory and to bring the kingdom along with Him, right? Amen? He is God. He is supreme. And we are mankind. We need Him in every single bit. We, we need Him absolutely, right? We cannot do this on our own. We need the Holy Spirit. I want to make that very clear. So if you get a lot of, there's a lot of charismatic, crazy people out there. There's a lot of Pentecostals, brothers and sisters that just have a little bit twisted on this. And the fact is that the matter is that we are many gods or we have the aspect that we can shift God to do one thing or another. To be honest with you, God is going to do what God is going to do. Let me say that again. God is going to do what God is going to do. We can choose to have a relationship with him and engage with him in that respect, to be obedient, to surrender, to, be, to, to allow our hearts to be taken by him, for our lives to be given to him, and say, God, let your will be done, and allow him to lead us in our lives or not. But God's going to get the job done regardless if we are there or not. Amen? And so I don't want to go off that rabbit trail today. It's a very deep rabbit trail, and we will stay on path today. Amen? One of the things that I want to share right off the bat is this, when we're talking about here, especially in John 15, I want to set a foundation of this, and I want to set this, first of all, as the relationship, all right? That's our first part of our message today, so it's going to be the relationship. One of the things that we have to understand is relationships are close, right? They're intimate. They're unique, right? God has called us as adoption as sons and daughters, as the Bible says, to be one with him, to have a relationship with him. When my kids, and I want to bring this to you, and this is what we really should be striving for, 
I said earlier that when young adults leave teens, right, they they begin to face bills and taxes, right? (laughs) And one of the things we have to understand as adults when we get older is one of the things that we have a tendency of doing is taking all of the heaviness and the realities around us and we begin to focus so heavily on our lives. In fact, the quote that the Spirit showed me during the conference, I want to reiterate this because I was just kind of impressed to do so. We are so dictated by our realities and our situations around us. So if the particular politician gets elected, we're shifted. If the particular issue in our jobs takes place, we're shifted. If family doesn't go the way it should, we're shifted. If, our, our, if, our sort of a, if we find ourselves in a place of tremendous lack or tremendous poverty or something else happens in our life where we lose everything, we're shifted in a direction of what our reality and our lives are telling us to be and do. And the truth of the matter is, to be honest with you, our culture and our society is built on the reality of individuals' lives. Let me break that down. Their lives are built on what they feel and what they think. When you break down the spectrum of sexual identity and whatever the case may be, you also want to call it whatever the case may be. If you go online, how many sexual identities are there? You will find anywhere from 80 to about 150, 170. And when you begin to read each one, and you begin to break down each one, you find out, in my opinion, I'm not a psychologist, we can talk to Bill, we can bring him up as an expert witness, right? right? We can bring him up to the, to the stage. But the thing is, what you find is that it's individual feelings and emotions and attitudes. Well, I feel like this on a given weekend, that must be what I am. I think that I'm this, then that must be what I must be. I must be born this way because I keep feeling this way. There's no truth. There's no common sense. There's no family to direct. There's no individuals to speak into their lives. Sometimes kids just grow up. People just grow up. We go through these things, but it doesn't mean that's who you are. Are you with me? I saw a video this past week of a young lady on on YouTube, and uh, she she was doing an interview for one of the conservative people I follow on, on YouTube and whatnot, And um, she talks about how she was a tomboy growing up and how when she began to be a tomboy, there was so much influence, especially in this case from the Canadian government, by the way, and that's a whole other story really, that was encouraging her to go through the sexual change, the, the sex change, the whole nine yards, the physical change, the physiology change, the whole nine yards. And she did, partially. And one of the things that she was devastated about was the fact that the Canadian government paid for everything. But when she made a mistake years later, later, actually a late teenager, early 20s, she realized she had made a devastating uh, mistake and that realized what she dealt with was deep depression. When she went to the same hospital, the same organization, the same national health care that Canada has, they would not allow her to do anything. They would not give her any procedures. They would not pay for anything. They would not allow her to do any type of thing. No medication, no nothing. It's an agenda, we understand that. But the point is, is that you have to understand that there's a world who is fueling and feeding on what you feel and you think. And the church has adopted this mindset. Now, let me get back on point here. We have to put away ourself and trust in Him. The Bible says that we must die to self, right? It is not I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me, the hope of glory, right? We have to put ourselves, our dead man away so that we may be able to thrive in all that he has for us. That starts by relationship. 
Now, if you turn to John 15, verse 1 through 8 says this. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that he may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. That's a very deep scripture. We'll get to that later, maybe. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. We'll come back to this later on. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. It is a declaration of intimate connection and relationship with God. It is a call that you have to be abide in me. You have to stay close to me. The very essence of this was not so that you may overcome X, Y, Z. The explanation was here was so that you don't overcome your bondages, your headache. That's all part of the fruit. We understand that. But he simply states, plain and simple, abide in me. Just come to me. Just stay close to me. Lord, what do I do? How do I do that? Why? I don't do that. Just stay close to me. Just abide in me. Pretty simple. Look at your neighbor and say, keep it simple. I was waiting for some spouse. Don't carry that out. Don't carry that out, right? So we find this aspect that is the very essence of our salvation, and we've talked about this before, is a calling and a declaration to bring us close to him. Since the beginning of time, since Adam and Eve fell, there was a disconnect because of sin in the world, and we did not have that relationship with him. We lost it. Through Christ, the Father has brought us back close to him. Through Jesus and through the great covenant, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit himself. And we're going to touch on that in a second here. Got a little ring in the back there, Ty, on my mic. And so what we find here is that we have to understand, first and foremost, that it's your relationship with God. So that ultimately means this. When it comes to the realities and the things that we face, when it comes to our seasons and our walking and our advancement, when it comes to our lives, they must and always be given and found in him. I'm going to say that again. Our issues that we go through cannot so much be our focus and our attention in our lives. It's not what gives us identity. He is what gives us identity. When we focus on X, Y, Z, even though they're hard and I sympathize, and even though they're difficult, I've got, I deal with the same type of things. Even though we go through all of these things, these things must be given to him. We're coming to a place now in our reality of our lives, in our culture, in our society, where we are going to be ostracized for the very essence of us giving our lives to him. Point being, read an article this week, I haven't finished it, it's called The Threat of Christian Nationalism. I don't have time to get into this, but what the media is beginning to do is they are trying to, at first they were trying to classify anyone who was constitutionalist, who were conservative, who believed in the right of law, anyone who believed in the right of representation, they believed in the right of the electoral college, and the, every aspect of this, they're beginning to paint them as nationalists, a.k.a. fascism. So they're beginning to declare that individuals who take that stance are the equivalent, and you get this a lot, as Nazis. 
Nazism, the Socialist Party of Germany back in the 1920s and 30s and 40s. So now what they're doing, though, is they're now taking the very aspect of Christianity and tying it to nationalism and then saying, aha, the main driving group of people within this group are Christians. There have been a handful of individuals who are pro-life activists who have actually not committed any crime, but they continue to be raided by the FBI and continue to be arrested by the FBI. Look them up. The DOJ is going hardcore after them. The January 6th episodes in the whole trials, a complete, absolute facade. It's a joke. In fact, to be honest with you, the people had every right to some respect to protest, and we find that a lot of that was made up. That happened. But the point is, is they're beginning to fabricate a story. They're beginning to fabricate a picture that your belief and your sacrifice against the will and the betterment of the people is against a violation of law in our moving forward. So therefore, when you speak loudly, be ready for a debate and a conversation. And not to scare you, but be ready for kickback. Nationalism, if I may just add this real quick to kind of ease some tensions and to clear some definitions up, nationalism is a good thing. <gasps> How many watch the Olympics? How many watch the World Cup? How many, watch? How many are proud of, to, to be an American when you see us doing different things? Being proud of your country is called nationalism. The Nazis took it to an extreme. They were bad. <laughs> we get this, right? But being fascist doesn't mean that you're a nationalist. But sometimes being a fascist means that you can be a, a nationalist. I hope I'm making that sense. So when they say you're a nationalist, you can say, great, I love America. And they'll proceed to say, well, you're a racist, biggest fascist, right? The whole nine yards. This is going on. So the persecution is beginning, but the call is my point is the fact is that we are called to press even more into him. The persecution is starting. And if you don't think, actually it's been going on, and if you don't think, even with Bernard, who is a blessed guy, man, awesome, great heart, humble guy, I loved him a lot, from Nepal, and you think, man, this country's getting persecuted, this country's getting this and that and everything else. Listen, they are undermining everything that you believe in right now. I don't think you understand this. We sit back as naive and simply do not do anything as individuals, as Americans alone, let alone Christians, and we do nothing as this government and as this country and as our society with an antichrist spirit continues to infiltrate everything that we believe in. I want you to understand this. And so we have to understand that it's ever so important that we press into him through relationship. You with me? We have to press in. Turn the next page over, John 14, verse 15 through 18. He says, I love, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. I want you to make this very clear. He is giving us the Holy Spirit in whom the world cannot receive. Make that very clear again. Those who call on the name of Jesus... Those who are sons and daughters of the Most High God have the Holy Spirit given and living inside of you. 17, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, and he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Jump over to verse 19. We'll keep going here in a second. I want to add this, though. The Holy Spirit is the main individual who empowers us and who leads us and brings us together in relationship with the Father and with the Son. 
He will never leave us orphans. He will never leave us abandoned. He will never leave us alone. I want to make this very clear. Through that relationship, he will not leave us. So the moment that persecution comes, praise God, the Holy Spirit's got an answer. The moment you speak truth, praise God, the Holy Spirit has an answer. The Holy Spirit works in you, about you, around you, and you have no clue. How many husbands do I have in here who can positively confess that they know exactly what their wives are thinking? Good, humble men today. Good, humble men, right? right? We have no clue. It's life's greatest mystery. We go home, we try doing the best we can, we try helping we can, but we find out that everything we did, men, is absolutely for naught. Because she's went back behind us and did everything again differently. I'm not venting. This isn't counseling session. It doesn't mean anyway with us, right? So, <laughs> we don't know what people are thinking. We don't know what they're going through. We don't know what their hearts are. We don't know or engage what's happening around us. But the Holy Spirit does, God does. These people who are furries, these people who are comic cans, right? These people who are individuals who believe that they are something different than what they actually are. Yes, I saw a video of a girl, a woman, a woman, a woman, who thinks that she's a dog. Her boyfriend was her master. He walks her, he feeds her, he, I don't know what else that goes on, to be honest with you. It's sick. As a normal human being, as normal as we can get, what do you do when you're in IGA and someone like a dog is walking down the aisle? I'm giving you honesty here. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to make fun of anybody I'm not trying to blast anybody I'm not the, the answer to that is I have no idea throw, throw the chicken biscuits at him and run I don't, I don't know try to get out of Dodge throw a gallon of milk make him slip maybe put obstacles in front of him right I, I don't know I, doggy biscuits I don't know the point is is that we don't know but God does what happens when I walk into that situation but the Holy Spirit's about me and in me and I have a word or, or an opportunity of just being in the presence of that individual or beginning the, the demon and the, and the struggles and the heartaches and everything else begin to be broken from their mind? What happens in walking in compassion and love and understanding, coming to a person saying, hey, listen, hon, you, it, it's not right. How dare you? Okay, that's fine. But I got kids who think that they're transformers. <laughs> they're... They t- they're, they're, not, they're not transformers, right? They're not transformers. They destroy things like they are, but they're, they're, not, they're not transformers. So what do I do? What do I do? You know what, Titus? <laughs> I think you're onto something. Maybe you suffer from, I don't know, transphobia. I don't know what you call it, whatever. Maybe you are a transformer. Maybe if you do it right, maybe you'll transform into a jet. Maybe we should really start helping you out with this. And I go to his school and I say, hey, Mrs. So-and-so, Mr. So-and-so, I just want to tell you that little Titus, he's a transformer, okay? He prefers to have to go in the bathroom in an oil pan outside in the warehouse, right? He, he does not, he wants to only take certain things to eat. He can't eat certain things. We usually feed him nuts and bolts, right? I know. He looks a little lethargic, but that's all we do. Um, you know, so just want to let you know that he's a transformer. So he won't actually speak English, okay? Because this transformer has his voice box broken, right? Like Mumblebee did, right? So... It's, it's a whole nine yards, so I just want to honor, I want you to honor that, right? 
What's a teacher do today? What do we do today? Oh, precious. We will take care of that. Next thing you know, he's 20 years old. Transformers don't get jobs. Transformers are in their mom's basement. Transformers are not living life. Because why? We didn't step up and speak truth. Through the Holy Spirit, we're able to accomplish things in our lives. Now, people can get upset, they can get offended, they can get whole nine yards, and even if you or you are shaking this morning about my comments, well, then I'm sorry, you're just going to have to get over it. Because the truth is, is it's not right. I deal with a group of kids almost every single week, almost 30 kids we have here at the church in the whole nine yards, and they are on the front lines of this mess. And I'm sitting there telling these kids that you are special, you are awesome, you are fantastically, wonderfully made. Yes, you're going to have issues. Yes, you're going to have junk in your life. And doesn't mean that you're perfect. Doesn't mean you're the whole nine yards, everything else. But good night, you are a good man or woman of God. I'm not going to sit back there and tell them and say, maybe you're a bird. Maybe you should try being a cat. Maybe you're a boy or a girl in what you were born with. I digress. I don't mean to get on cultural stuff. It's just kind of on my heart. But the point is, is Holy Spirit knows best, and it's through that relationship. Look at verse 19. He says, a little while longer, and the world will, not, will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live. You will live also. I want to stop there. The junkie in your life that you feel like, oh, hell's breaking loose, and you're going to lose your life, and you're falling apart and everything else, guess what? We're all going through it. It's not just you. I want to break that misconception right here. It's not just you. We're all going through it. The enemy will tell you that lie. The flesh will tell you that lie. The society will try to let you just live with that. But as he says there, he says, because I live, you will live also. The Holy Spirit is there to set you free and to bring life to you. Let's keep going. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. This is the engagement of God the Father, of the Son Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit making themselves home within each and every one of us as the temple of the living God, as the Bible says, Paul writes, if that we are empowered to have this relationship with God. Come on, I'm going to say this again. We have this engagement where we are in relationship with him. I've got to emphasize this. Because when the issues come and the junk come and everything else comes, what we have a tendency of doing is focusing so much on that stuff and the realities around us that we forget the fact that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God and we have the truth and the Holy Spirit residing and living inside of us. And so what we do is we sit back and, oh, poor pathetic me. I'm too fat. I'm too skinny. I'm too lazy. I can't do this. I can't do that. My past this. My past that. Issue this. Issue that. Salvation this. Family this. Family that. Oh, good night. Get back to the relationship of who he is in you and begin to take a stand. Praise him for who he is and begin to declare who your God is. Well, Adam, I just don't feel like it. I don't care what you feel like. I don't feel like getting up in the morning. I don't feel like sometimes with my kids, I don't feel like even sometimes notoriously, this is going to be crazy for a pastor, even sometimes talking to my wife. Yes, it's hard talking for three hours straight. It's hard working through things. 
do, do I want to face them? No. Why? Because I don't want to deal with them. I just want to have a cup of milk with Oreos or go to the garage and do something or I just want to go, I don't know, whatever else. But the truth of the matter is we cannot live that way. We are called to do phenomenal things. So we got to put our boots on. We got to strap ourselves up. We got to have this relationship and we got to engage with God. Now, let me show you a little bit of a diagram here. You guys like pictures, right? I hope you guys are not as mean as the teens. All right. <laughs> and they can spell really well, by the way, FYI. Okay, so I cannot, right? So sometimes this is what a lot of you look like. Just kidding. So one of the things is that when we receive salvation, we get the Holy Spirit with inside of us. So the, the squiggly lines is the Holy Spirit. The box is sort of our life. Just work with me here, Right? So one of the things is, is that when we, when we allow the world and everything else to affect us, what happens is life becomes very disgruntled, right? How many woke up this morning like this? Don't answer. But sometimes our focus is so much on the things around us that we lose the very presence and the essence that's inside of us. So what happens is that when we are grumpy, you know, all get out, what happens is we find sort of the, the word of the Lord or the Holy Spirit or sometimes that truth or sometimes it's like whatever, we just, we just don't hear him well enough. There's been a depreciation of the Holy Spirit. I, I just don't sense him enough. I just don't see him enough. I just don't hear him enough. The whole nine yards. Part of the problem is, is that as the Bible says, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So sometimes what happens when we allow everything in our lives to affect us, we find our lives being diminished and it creates a very sour individual. To the point that many today are leaving their faith. We've allowed everything to infiltrate this and then ultimately what happens is we get all this junk in here and next thing you know, the Holy Spirit in a lot of respects can't do too much that he wants to do. He's still working your life. Bible still declares that. He's still doing things, but the fullness of what he has for you cannot be in operation. Why? Because you have chosen to worship and pray something other than God. So what has a result takes place, you never see the gifts, you never realize the gifts, you never understand the gifts of God. Why? Because you're so focused on everything else around you that you get lost in the mess. This is what genuine peace or truth is. So when we talk about this, we're just going to simply call it the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what happens. When we find ourselves, as it says in verse 15, chapter 15 of John there, right? When it says, when you abide in me and I in you, the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit will come and we will manifest ourselves to you. So this is why Paul talks about to focus on those things that are above. Focus on virtue, right? Well, no, let's do big eyes, right? <laughs> there we go, right? Good. <laughs> Looks like me in the morning, a little tired. All right. So what happens is that when you begin to engage with God, you begin to dive into that relationship, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes alive and you have something that we call the big mo, momentum. What happens is your, ball, your life becomes a snowball effect. So the more I spend time with God, the more he speaks to me. The more I spend time with God, the more he directs me. The more I spend time with God, the more that he leads me. The more that I spend time with God, the more that he, he begins to open things up for me. The more I spend time with God, the more I recognize God. Before I, the more I spend time with God, the more I'm understanding the word of God. Do you see how this is going? So that when something comes your way, this is where John says, or this, yeah, this is where John, or James says rather, when something negative comes your way, you can count it all joy because praise God, the Holy Spirit's inside of me and God loves me and I have a relationship with him. So when you take this situation that's affecting you 
and you say, nope, my God reigns supreme. Your heart and your mind has to be focused on this above to where this thing ultimately finds itself with God. To the degree that you live life, you know it's here. You know your issue's there. But the more you trust, the more he takes care of it. And then all of a sudden, the more you're focused on him, next thing you know it, this thing is like 20 years away. Somebody says, hey, don't you have that issue? So you, you know what? I totally forgot about that. Because the Father took it from me. Now let's dive in a little bit deeper here when it comes to gifts. Let's keep going. So turn your Bibles over to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Sorry, chapter 1, verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 4 through 9. Now, in this position here, in this relationship, one of the things that we have to understand is that this is not designed primarily for you to harbor or to hoard the things of the Holy Spirit. Your walk and the gifts that are given to you and the life that God is breaking through is for you, yes, individually, is for those around you corporately, and is for those around to bring them to the kingdom of God. So what the Holy Spirit has a tendency of doing is he loves just allowing himself out of this box, right? He loves coming out and he loves making messes. In a good way, in a good way, all those theologians that are watching me, I didn't say reckless love or anything like that. I'm just commenting, right? He loves taking what he gives you and allowing it to go outward. If I'm focused on these issues, right, if my attention's on this, guess what? I'm not going to be a very good father. I'm not going to be a real good husband. I'm not going to be a real good son. I'm not going to do anything. Why? Because I'm so focused on this to the point that it becomes and it replaces my heart and my relationship with him, this becomes who I am. I'm no good to anybody to see, in a lot of ways. Just floating through life, just surviving. So when we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4 through 9, I'll hear this. He says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, and I'm, I'm going to stop right there. Did you see that? First, verse 5, that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge. It is the will of God for you to be enriched by knowing his will, by knowing his truth, by knowing his relationship, by knowing him. This is part of the great mystery that Paul talks about since the beginning of the earth. This is the beginning of time. The great mystery was this understanding that being empowered by the Holy Spirit, we are brought into salvation through repentance and all nine yards, but being brought in relationship back to him. And so what we have to understand is that God wants us to know things. And what happens again, let's say, for example, you are doing wonderful, and you're praying, you're like, God, I just want you to speak to me about X, Y, Z. God, I just want you to help me with this. God, should I do this? Should I do that? Lord, what's my calling? Lord, what's my destiny? What's my... All of those things, let him have it. I'm going to say that again. Let him have it. Because the more that you create momentum and consistency in your walk, the more that you cultivate the spirit inside of you through relationship, the more that gifts and the knowledge and the wisdom of God will come. To the degree that you don't need to hear a word everything God speaks, sometimes you're given that godly wisdom inside of you to just know and go. But Adam, what happens if I take this job and it wasn't what the Lord had for me? 
That's cool. What do you, how can you say that? I'd be out of the will of God. Who says? The Bible says he blesses the work of your hands. He didn't say what type of work. He didn't say right or wrong. I've taken a lot of jobs up. And God says, this, okay, great. Yeah, take that job. Okay, go for it. And I'm doing my thing, and I'm getting paid, and I'm getting raises, and things are going good, and the whole nine yards and everything else. And God says, I want you to leave that job. And I'm like, God, why am I even here to begin with? Because I never told you to. The Father is good. He will get you where you need to be if you just trust in Him. And even the times you make mistakes, He will lift you out of those, and He'll put you where you need to be. Are you with me? Now, let's keep going in the Scripture. I want to get to this. So let's start back in verse 5. That you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. Verse 7, this is very key. So that you come short in no gift. I want you to take that for a second. That you come short in no gift. I'm not talking about finances. I'm not talking about prosperity gospel. I'm not talking, which is a bunk. I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, you, you, you going to the nations. I'm not talking about praying for the I'm not talking about, I'm talking about just in general. It's very broad scripture. In fact, let me break this down a little bit. When we look at the word gift, the word is actually charisma, right? And this specifically, when you look at the lexicon with this particular scripture context-wise, it is grace or gifts denoting extraordinary powers distinguishing certain Christians and enabling them to serve in the church of Christ. Yes, that's right. The reception of which is due the power of divine grace operating on their souls by the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to understand when the Holy Spirit's working on our souls, is, can anybody tell me what our souls are? Yep, exactly. It's the mind, the emotions, the personality, the will, the essence that's inside of you. The Holy Spirit is working in us these things. He wants you to be lacking no good thing, no good gift. Why? Because he wants you to succeed. He wants you to be closer to him. He doesn't want his people falling away into sin and debauchery and darkness. So when we're talking about gifts, I want you to understand that the Holy Spirit will give the gifts as he wills. We're going to get that in a little bit here. But the gifts are very important. Because the gifts become sort of these little treasure troves in our lives. I mean, what do you mean, Adam? I mean, are you talking about like, you know, what, a prophetic word for somebody at IGA? Am I supposed to talk to the dog person walking down the aisle? I mean, what are you, what are you talking about here? That's part of it. But sometimes we lose focus of this, don't we? Sometimes gifts are the answers to prayers. Sometimes gifts... <laughs> Sometimes gifts is the very breakthrough that we've been believing for. Sometimes gifts are the very healings and salvations that we've been believing or seeing in our presence and see take place. Gifts are the very essence of a job that we've been promoted or given. Gifts are the very things for us to obtain that wisdom and understand that open heaven, that open door, so to speak, for us to understand what God is doing in our lives. Gifts are not just a prophetic word. Gifts are just not speaking in tongues. Those are applications of the Spirit in ministry, but that's not all that he's entailing here. In fact, the flair of the Scripture also means here, if you look at it, it says here, da, 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 a favor with which one receives without any merit of his own, the gift of divine grace, the gift of faith, knowledge, holiness, and virtue. Adam, I can't overcome X, Y, Z. Pray in. The gift of God will come. 
Adam, I can't get over this mindset of fear and doubt. Begin to get in the truth. Begin to get into him, and the Holy Spirit will give you the gift. He wants you to be lacking in no good thing. We have a very bad gospel today that speaks to the fact is that, well, you know what? You're all good. God's acceptance of all of you. And the list goes on. No matter what you've done, no matter what you're doing, the whole nine yards to the point of where we have to remove the truth of the gospel. It becomes what we call a greasy grace gospel, right? That's what they call it. You're just, whatever you want to do, whatever it is, you're saved. God loves all mankind. It's not true. Our sins divide us from God. Our stubbornness divides us from God. Our pride divides us from God. Our fear divides us from God. Our disobedience divides us from God. Remember what I said earlier? It removes the spirit in our lives moving and working. Keep going. Verse 7 again. So that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. The purpose of giving gifts, the purpose of relationship, the purpose, one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit is for you to be found blameless in the day of our Lord. Is for you to come to a place where you are set free. Where God begins divinely to begin to set you apart into all things in your life. To where I understand again that you have issues. We all have issues. Look at your neighbor and say, we all have issues. Good, we're getting through some counseling sessions here right now. That's what we're doing, yeah, right, yeah. We all have issues. We all have stuff in our lives. I understand that. But that issue is not who I am. That's not who I am. Well, Adam, you don't understand what my father did or my mother did and the whole night. You, I, I, I don't. You're right. You're absolutely right. But I know who he is. I know what the word of God says. And I know the power of the Holy Spirit, right, moves in us, moves through us in any way, shape, or form. Thriving in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to skip some of this so we can get out of here. You guys doing Okay. Purposes of the gifts, we talked about this, and I was going to go a little bit more corporately, but we're not. We're going to avoid some of that today. We're going to talk more personally. When we talks about let us thrive in the Holy Spirit, the scriptures speak as we just talked about. It's an element of keeping us close, keeping in relationship with him. Let's turn to our Bibles to Philippians if you can. If you can't get there, that's fine. I have tabs on my Bible, so I'm cheating. So I'm going to get there quicker probably. Philippians 2. 12 through 13. I'm going to wait a moment because I love hearing the pages turn. How many love a good book? Amen. This digital stuff. All right. Verse 12. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. He says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. I love this. How many of you know that when you try doing life, sometimes you look in the mirror and say, boy, we are, I'm, I'm an idiot. Okay, just me. It's just me. I look myself in the mirror and I say, man, Adam, you are not getting this right. All the time. But praise God, he's not looking at my ability. Let me say this again. He's not looking at our abilities our awesomeness, our coolness, our abilities, our gifts. He's not looking at that. He's looking at Jesus inside of you and the Holy Spirit that he's given you. 
to see this through. You know my son, he says, right? You know me. Scripture says that. Now go get it done. I have it in you. I see it in you. So sometimes we're bebopping around in life, right? We have no idea what we're doing. And to be honest with you, this is the destination that God wants to take us, right? He's wanting us to go here, whatever that may be. This is where he's wanting us to go. But many of us, we find ourselves in a situation where we falter a lot. We get stinky thinking. We get junk in our lives. We get realities, lost job, lost money, everything else. And next thing you know, it, I better do red because... Do they do red anymore in schools? I hope they do, right? <laughs> you failed, sorry. <laughs> anyway, so what happens is that as a result within these issues that take place in your life, you immediately devol- you sort of take a redirection here and you head back to this issue. But what happens though is if our focus is constantly in this, if our focus, I'm getting too many markers now, if our focus is constantly on this aspect of God, you don't have to do it perfectly. You don't have to do it right Let me say that right. The calling of God is not perfection. Congratulations, you've repented, you've given all things to me. You are now a son and daughter of the most high God. That is great, now be perfect. It's not gonna work, right? We can't. And we can't look at the God and say, God, I'm not gonna be perfect, I'm sorry. And he's not gonna say, sorry, red pen, loser, get out. (laughs) Right? Your ribbon is revoked, right? It's how it works, right? But when we focus on him absolutely with everything that comes, so when this issue comes, what are we going to do? It's going to God. When this issue comes, what are we doing? We're giving it to God. Here comes another issue. Oh, this is a bad one. Double X's. Give it to him. Is this hard? You better believe it. Is it difficult? Yes. Things are tough. But what happens is when you don't think that you're getting to where you need to be, you feel like this path is just all over the place at this point in time. You feel you are really all over. You just have lost God. You've lost your faith. You lo- you just, you're a mess and a half the whole nine yards. All of a sudden, you find yourself standing right here. And you look back and you say, God, what have I done? You got me here and I didn't even do anything. Th- thing. He looks and of course, he reads scripture, and it says what? For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. He is working, guys, in you, regardless if you know it or not, to get his will done. And one of the greatest gifts we have that we can be given is he gives us a will to do it. What's that mean? That means when you don't feel like getting up, he empowers you to do so. When he feels like you have to go through this issue or this difficulty, it's extremely hard But he gives you the endurance, he gives you the power, he gives you the ability, he gives you the knowledge, he gives you the wisdom to get through it. So many times, though, this is the problem, is that we take gifts for granted. And so many times when we look at gifts, we don't accept them. My mom at times, bless her heart, we had this grandma, this great-grandma of mine. Grandma Hopkins was always giving us money. And we always grew up in a family back in the day that you didn't take people's money when they gave it to you. It's just, you just don't do that. That's just not polite. No, no, Grandma, you don't need to give us that money. You just, you need that. You just, you just hold on to it. And all my life, I grew up in the whole nine yards, and, and it's a very modest thing. And Mom doesn't do it anymore. I'm just saying it was part of the mindset of our family, I suppose, to some degree. But then when I got older, I found out that people do actually want to bless you. And so one day, 
This was a long, long time ago. I told somebody that. I was just like, oh, bless your heart. You know, I was like, I don't need that. You just hold on to it. You don't hold on to it. And they said, okay, okay, if you, you insist, you insist. Man, the Lord smacked me upside the head. And he said, that is a blessing for you. If I'm providing for you, you need to take what I'm providing to you. Stop being self-righteous. Right? How many of us do that? Oh, I do not need that cash. I, I do not need it for I am good in modern <laughs> You are just fine. <laughs> Please do not come near me for I do not need your money. Right? I am okay. You're not. You're dying inside. Right? <laughs> you're just all the mess and a half. The point is, is this is what God does. When we receive gifts, we have to openly receive them with all that we have. We can't push God away and be like, well, God, you know, I really didn't pray a lot this week to really receive your blessing. Lord God, I really didn't do this right to really receive your truth on this. Well, God, I, I really do need to, to stay in this place of mindset and, and depravity and, and junk and muck and mire and everything else because, well, that's just who I am because I did this to myself, Lord. I cannot take your favor and your blessing, your truth and your knowledge. I just, I just can't do it, God. We need to get off of our high horses. We need to put away our self-righteous and say, God, I am so sorry. I'll take everything you have for me. Help me get there. Now, we come back to this. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, last scripture. I'm going to bring this home. Sorry, chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. We all know this very commonly. He goes through the whole gifts of ministry, and he's talking about the whole application of our time with one another, and as well as there's elements here of even individualism, of being of ourselves and ministry to ourselves as well as to others. It's kind of loose in that respect. But then he says something very profound here in verse 11, chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. He says, but one and the same spirit works all these things. We get to a very broad statement here. And then he says, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Some of us think, and I'm going to end with this, that we should be working and doing something in this particular season right here now. Well, this is where I need to be. This is my issues. This is what I need to work with. I'm going to study the Word. I'm going to buy books. I'm going to get in God, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to pray on this issue. Okay. What does God say? Well, I've been praying to Him and asking. I'm just waiting for an answer. I'm just waiting for all this. Well, maybe that's not where He has you to be. I'm going to, I'm going to try to bust out some of your theological thinking on this. Sometimes God puts us in places where we don't think are the right places to be at. Sometimes he puts us through things that, quite honestly, are the things that don't make sense. Lord, why am I working on this thing of confidence when I struggle with fear? Why are you having me study confidence when I, when I struggle with fear wholeheartedly or insecurity and condemnation? Why am I over here on confidence all you keep bringing this to me. I have people are giving me books about it. I keep in the scriptures about it. I keep hearing teachings about it. You keep having me work on confidence, Lord, but it's not confidence what I need. If I can get broken through self-rejection and fear and doubt and everything over here, God, I will be awesome. So now I want you to work over here. All right, fine. This is the gift he's given us. You with me? Work on this. I have something to share with you about confidence. 
All right, I take it. I receive it. What do you got? What do you got? Fine. What do you got? He teaches you. He shares with you. He opens up your heart. He breaks you through. All of a sudden, you have a revelation, understanding of confidence. You find that you're a son and daughter of the Most High King. You're just rocking it out. And next thing you know, this thing over here is completely gone. <laughs> because he who has begun a good work in you will get it to where he needs you to be. He's a good father, and he wants to work with you as he wills, not what we think. Do you hear me on this? Not what we think. Yes, there is a, a relationship again. There's, there's a combination of those things in our lives that we deal with. Yes, there, there are situations that we come up against that we do need to take to the Lord. But in the process of taking it to the Lord, we have to say, Lord, here it is. Now speak to me on what you think of it. Let me say that again. Taking those things to the Lord, we give them to them as sacrifice, as surrendering. We give him these things and then say, God, what do you have your will for this thing? What do you want me to see this as? How do you want me to see this as? What do you want me to do with it? Is it me? Is it something else? Is it the stress, Lord? Is it demonic? Is it the flesh? Lord, what do you want to do with this? Then when you begin to pray and ask, you let it go and then allow him to speak to you. Let him lead you. Let him guide you. He's a good father. When my kids act up, I know there's a reason they're acting up. When they jump off the couch and elbow drop kick to my other kid, <laughs> and we've already told him thrice to stop it, right? We've already told him to stop enough in the whole nine yards, and he does it, and he has all the justification in the world. He deserved it, right? It was a great move, right? And I tell him to stop it. Stop it. If I superficially just tell him to stop it without actually telling him the reason why, he's never going to stop it. Because if it's not jumping off, head slamming his brother into the coffee table, which happened two weeks ago, if it's not going to happen that, then what's going to end up happening is that he's going to do something else again for the same nature of the heart. Are you with me? As a good father, if I come to him and say, hey, listen, you've got a problem with not listening. You're being disobedient. It's a big word. Let's talk about it. When that disobedience is fixed, then when I say stop jumping off the couch, he stops. It takes a few times, right? It takes a few times when he gets into my tools and then uses the tools as swords and great weaponry to attack one another. <laughs> right? It takes time. But I come back to that nature of saying, remember when we talked about disobedience. That one heart change affects everything, a lot of things in his life. The last point of this is the will of God. It's as the Holy Spirit wills. It says God wills. God will get you there. And guys, listen, I hope you understand this is where we find our peace and the joy of the Lord. This is where we can sit back and say, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if I could do X, Y, Z, but man, praise God, he's going to get me there. Why? Because he's doing it. We can let things go. It's a process of what we learned today, of praising him, letting it go, putting him above it all, rejoicing in him always. Does that make sense? It's the will of the Lord in our lives. 
And the more that we know what good Father is doing in us, the more we will experience the gifts of God and Holy Spirit in us, and we will find ourselves in a good place with Him. Ultimately, this ends up affecting the rest of the world around us. Because when I know that He's with me, working with me, changing my heart, leading me in all things, listen, somebody acting like a dog down IGA is no problem to me. Why? Because I have Holy Spirit inside of me. And if he set me free from X, Y, Z, then he could set them free. If the Holy Spirit's living in me, guide me with, with all the issues of my life, and I'm trusting him with very personal, intimate stuff, then he can take care of this, and he can speak to me, and I can speak to them. He can lead me as a father and as a, as a, as a husband and, and as, as a man of God. He can lead you as a, as a daughter of God, as a wife, as a, as a mother, whatever the case may be, whatever you're at today. He can lead you and guide you in all those things. This is why the great gospel is not you sort of, sort of held down by age or race or background or past. Why? Because God's redemption and grace is for all mankind. So that when you receive him and know him, Holy Spirit is doing the exact same thing that he's doing in you that he's doing in me. Not the exact same thing, but the same nature of his heart is being reflected in all of us. He's speaking to us and leading us forward. Amen? Does that make sense today? Good. Stand up to your feet. I want to say very much, gracious. you guys are so gracious. You didn't make fun of my pictures. Thank you so much. Um, it's, it's relieving. Does the whiteboard help some? Does it help? Okay, good. I want to make sure I'm teaching you guys right. The season's coming, guys, that we are in a situation, very much so, and this is part of why we've been speaking on this and touching on this, is the fact of the matter is that we need Holy Spirit bad. We need Holy Spirit bad. I like to listen to the enemy side all the time because <laughs> I just, I'm a big debater. And what I mean by that is the enemy and the false doctrines and theologies that are out there who dismantle and remove the Holy Spirit and the working of it in their lives. I just listened to a couple of things this past week and it's awful. What people are telling, Christians are telling other Christians of the move of God not exists in your life, the Holy Spirit not doing X, Y, Z, it's just awful. But the coming times, we, we, we cannot understand what's going on. The, the, the element of confusion and darkness and depravity is so new and so nuanced and so perverted and so backwards, you need the Holy Spirit to understand what in the world is going on. We cannot understand what these kids are going through. We cannot understand what these families are going through. I cannot understand a video I watched where a couple was married for so many years and the husband decides that he is now a woman. And she, the wife, just finds herself in a position of, well, I just need to accept him for who he is. A destruction of a family, a destruction of a marriage with no wisdom, with no understanding. The church, anybody, can we speak truth? We need it. We need it. But you need it for your lives. This is why John can say in 1 John's epistles, he says, you have no need of a teacher because you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. I'm not saying that he doesn't have teachers. That's part of the whole thing. That's, that's another conversation. But the point is the Holy Spirit's inside of you, teach you and lead you into all things. So when you go out today, I want to encourage you with this. God loves you if you love him. If you are found yourself accepting him as your Lord and Savior, he is with you always. Loves you unconditionally. Holy Spirit is always on your side, filling you, leading you, working with you, 
even when we have idiotic moments. Mm-hmm. And we'll have them. But praise God, he knows and he's a good daddy. He knows what's best. For let's rejoice in that, amen? Things are coming and we need him absolutely. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for today, Lord. We praise you today. We thank you, Lord God, for your goodness and for your awesomeness. We thank you, Lord God, for your heart. We thank you for your love. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you desire to bring us gifts into all things. We pray, Lord God, that we know your will for our lives, for our families' lives, for us as a community and as a family. I thank you, Lord Father, for that. And I pray, Lord God, that those watching on live stream, for those watching or that are here, rather, I pray, Lord Heavenly Father, that we walk more and more in the fullness of you, that we build momentum in our lives and understand that you're working all things for the betterment of your glory and for your power. So, Father, I pray, come. Give us boldness. Give us courage. Give us confidence to continue to move forward in all things and all ways. And all the house said, amen, amen, amen. Love you guys. Have a great week. Thank you for coming today. We will see you guys later. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in with us. I pray that this message today has encouraged you. I pray that it's challenged you, uplifted you. I pray that you came away from this message and this encounter with God, knowing that you have literally stepped into a place where you have heard the heartbeat of God and through everything. Now, in this time, I want to talk to you. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ or your relationship is not where it needs to be. Maybe you've walked with God at one point in time and you're no longer walking with him. Or maybe you say that you're a Christian, but deep down inside, you know there's compromise in your heart. If that is you, I want you to go ahead and pray this prayer with me so that what can happen is we can talk to each other again when we see each other, either in the church or in heaven. So let's go ahead and pray. Just repeat after me. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your son's blood. I thank you for the life of Jesus and for his resurrection. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I repent of them now, and I ask for you to wipe me clean by your blood. Come into my heart. I receive your salvation, and I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. I walk away from my old life, and I walk into my new life. Thank you, Lord. I am born again in Jesus' name. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer, you are now born again. What I would ask for you to do is I would ask for you to contact the ministry, contact the church, and let us get to you some free material so that you can begin to receive discipleship. See, it's not enough just to pray a prayer. We want you to be discipled. Jesus said, make disciples of all men. So what we want to do is we want to help you in your walk. We want to help you to where you're being able to be discipled and you're being able to walk with Jesus on a daily basis. So thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this podcast by the River Family Christian Center. If this message has blessed you and you would like to give financially or you would like more teachings from Senior Pastor Dean Wagner, please visit www dot the river fcc dot com